Welcome to the Pumps and Systems Podcast. This episode is presented by SEPCO. SEPCO, designing and manufacturing world-class fluid sealing systems and solutions from mechanical seals and bearing protection to pump and valve packing. If it's fluid sealing, SEPCO's got it. Contact SEPCO for all your sealing needs at 800-633-4770 or email info at sepco.com. Look them up on the web at sepco.com. Welcome to this edition of the Pumps and Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. Here we will speak to Patrick Hogue of Nedec Motor Corporation on the relationship and interaction between motors and drives. Patrick has written for our magazine in February and June of this year and was recently named the Hydraulic Institute's Young Engineer of the Year. Patrick is the Application Engineering Manager of General Industry and Integral Horsepower Pumping. Did I get that right? Yes, that is correct. All right. Well, welcome aboard. We're happy to have you today. We're going to talk about some motors and get into something a little bit more specific pretty soon. But Patrick, just uh, tell tell us about yourself. How did you get to NEDEC? Uh, what's, your, what's your history? Well, I started actually as a sophomore while I was in my undergrad at engineering at SIUE, that's Southern Illinois University Edwardsville, the less known sister of Carbondale. But I really started in application engineering for appliance motors, so I actually worked on dishwasher pumps. So with that, I was in the industry about three years, worked, then moved to Whirlpool up in Michigan, helped them out with motor selection, and that's when I made the switch back to NEDEC at the time, and that's when I got started in integral horsepower pumping. I started shortly after that into Hydraulic Institute. So in total motor industry, I've been there about 11 years, most of it working with pumps. So it's quite a passion for me to do both motors and pumps. So excited Absolutely. to be on here with you. Hey, great. I appreciate you coming on. Just to let everybody know, recently Patrick was named the Hydraulic Institute's Young Engineer of the Year. So I know that had to be pretty exciting for you. Am I right? Oh, yeah. that was. There's a lot of knowledge in Hydraulic Institute and a lot of guys I really respect, so getting that award definitely meant a lot to me. It was definitely humbling to receive. Good deal. And Patrick is a big Cardinals fan, so just to let everybody know, just kind of like to let everybody know what kind of personalities we're getting into when we uh, when we get into these podcasts. Because I know a lot of people just, you know, they just read the magazine, read the website, and what they write about. Uh, this year, in the June 2018 issue, which was uh, a motors-focused issue, was on display at at ESA at the convention in Milwaukee, Patrick wrote an article titled What Affects Wire-to-Water Efficiency. And in February 2018, he wrote uh, about protecting today's efficient motors with pulse width modulated, or from pulse width modulated damage. So uh, today we're going to just get into looking at motors and how motors run with uh, VFDs and how the two components interact. So um, Patrick, why is this such a hot topic to cover? Why should people be interested in this? Well, one of the things that really comes up is the idea that the whole pumping industry is really moving towards this idea of variable speed pumping. What The ability of variable speed on pumps really allows you to control the speed and output of these pumps. With feedback from your output, you can change, vary the speed, which then means you can have a more efficient system if it's run correctly. So with that comes the need for you to vary, like I mentioned, vary the speed of that motor, and you do that through a VFD. So with the call for better efficiency, less waste, less losses on all of these pumping systems, 
there has been way more call for VFDs on motors. So this is a really hot topic I know for my application engineering team because we get it in, there's a lot of focus on how do these motors run with the VFDs and other, is there anything I need to worry about? What kind of things do I need to worry about my application when I install both a motor and a VFD together? So really with this focus on efficiency and this move to variable speed pumping, we're seeing a lot more VFDs attached to motors. So that's really why it is a hot topic. Okay. What are some of the big questions you get about this interaction? Well, I'd say one of the biggest, and it kind of leads into to an overarching, it's a very, very large question to dig into, but how does a motor and drive interact, and how does a drive or a VFD affect a motor? And really, that's that's the meat and potatoes of a large system question. So you get down to it. When you power a motor from normal supply power from a power station, it's what we call sine wave power. It has a nice, smooth sine wave coming in. When you go to a VFD, in order to change the frequency of that wave coming into the motor, which allows you to change the speed of the motor, they have to use what they call a PWM waveform or a pulse width modulated waveform. And this inherently can cause issues with the motor if the whole system isn't installed correctly as one component. So a lot of times we have motor manufacturers and drive or VFD manufacturers and they're viewed separately. You can get one from each manufacturer, no problem, but the hard part comes when you have to install these together as a system. So that's really where that question is based out of is somebody has a drive and they say, if I put this on your motor, what do I need to worry about? So they're always asking me, you know, how does a drive affect a motor? The second question that I get is, okay, you say this drive does affect your motor or can harm your motor. How do I protect your motor against these things? And a lot of motor manufacturers have adopted what they call, there's a bunch of different names out in the industry for it, inverter duty, VFD ready. There's a bunch of different names, but really it comes down to how do we protect against that pulse width modulated waveform. And what this pulse width modulated waveform does is it can cause, I want to break it down to really two major things. First is when you pulse this voltage, you're pulsing it at full voltage over a period of time to then simulate a sine wave. So to get a peak of the sine wave, so if you have a 460 volt motor, a sine wave goes from zero to 460 nice and smooth. There's a nice smooth rise time, and then it goes down to negative 460, very smooth. That pulse width modulated has to simulate that. So when you're at a very low voltage, it's gonna pulse really quickly on and off. As you get to need the higher voltages, it's going to pulse for longer periods of time. And with all of that averaged together, you get a simulated waveform. But what it introduces is these are full voltage switches on and off hundreds or thousands of times per second. And so you're looking at overshoots. So you're going to get peak voltages that are much higher than the 460 rated voltage for these motors. So the first thing we have to protect against are these peak voltage in the quick rise time from 0 volts to 460 volts that you wouldn't see on a sine wave waveform. 
So we do that by adding additional protection to the insulation. And that's one of the big adders whenever you talk about protection for motors. A lot of motor manufacturers have some type of inverter duty winding protection or insulation. The second part of this are the bearings. And when you really look at it, the two most important parts are your motor, your stator, your winding, and your bearings. So the bearings can be affected. If you look, again, we're going back to the difference between sine wave and pulse width modulation. Sine wave on a three-phase motor, all of those phases are going to equal zero throughout the whole thing. When one phase is at plus 460 volts, the other phase is at negative 460 volts, and that third phase is at zero. So no matter what, those voltage differentials equal zero. On a pulse width modulated, on a three phase, you have three switches that are trying to simulate the sine wave. That means you either have 460, negative 460, or off. They're not always going to be on at the right time to equal zero. So what you get is what we call common mode voltage, and basically that's a voltage differential between those three phases, and that can cause a charge differential. So the best example I have for this is if you take your feet during the winter, in your socks and rub against a really shaggy carpet and touch the doorknob, you get a shock. That's because there's a voltage differential. There's a differential in charge, positive and negative, from you to that doorknob. And that charge wants to, nature wants to balance itself out. So what does it do? It sends that charge across you to that doorknob to balance it out. Well, that same phenomenon happens in your bearings if there isn't a lower path to ground or a less resistant path to ground for that charge to go. So a lot of these motors, and this is specific on larger bearings too, because the larger your bearing gets, the more charge it can hold before it releases, then the more power that release has and it can damage your bearings and we call it fluting. And basically what it's doing is it's dislodging parts of the race and throwing those small pieces of metal into the bearing as it's rolling. And you can think about the speed of that bearing rolling around with these little parts of metal in it, and it's going to destroy your bearing. You're going to add heat. It's definitely going to affect the reliability, and it could cause failures. So to protect against that, we do some form of shaft grounding. We have to isolate that shaft from the motor bearings, so we can do that with insulating material. We do that mostly on larger motors. But you need to give that charge a lower resistant path to ground to go to besides the bearings. So that's when we do a shaft grounding device. So there's multiple shaft grounding devices. There's shaft grounding rings with little brushes on them that are grounded to the bearing cap. And then they the brushes, the microfiber brushes touch the shaft. There's simpler ones that it's just as simple as a carbon bar fiber that touches the shaft as it goes around. So as long as you have something that's grounding that shaft to the motor frame, you're going to get that balance that you need. And there's more into the installation then on how you do that grounding, but those are the basic protection questions of the motor. You want to protect the winding from these peak voltages and the rise times that are caused by these high frequency switchings as well as protecting a bear the bearings against these voltage charge differentials that could cause these um, common mode voltage or the bearing damage. So those are the two big questions that I really get on, you know, installing motors with VFDs. How do you protect them? 
Okay. Yeah, that kind of makes me a little bit differently whenever I get shocked watching the uh, the light fixture, or even when I'm going Domino's to pick up my Go pizzas and I'm pressing the button to get their attention, and I always seem to get shocked. So I'll I'll think about that a little bit differently, uh, or, or I'll, I'll have a little bit more background when, when that happens to me. Um, usually try to knock on the window. But uh, you talked about the protecting the motor. Uh, is there anything more to add about protecting the motor for these effects, or do you feel like I covered it pretty pretty good right there? Well, I think protecting the motor, if you're just looking at the motor in a bubble, I think we covered it because that's one of the big things that that we that we'll talk about too, or we need to talk about is this idea that you can't just look at the motor in a bubble. We as motor if we as motor manufacturers want to look at the motor in a bubble because we can't guarantee how it's going to be installed. So that's why we have come up with these ways to protect our motors because if you install this motor drive pump system correctly, most of these issues are mitigated. They're, the drive works well enough in this pulse width modulation if it's grounded correctly, if the wires are run correctly, if it's programmed correctly, you don't see these issues or these issues are not going to damage the motor. They're not going to be large enough to damage the motor. So really when it comes down to it, we protect the motor in a bubble because that's all we can guarantee. We can we can't guarantee the installation. But the bigger picture here is you can't just, if you're installing this, you can't just look as the drive in a bubble and the motor in a bubble. I'm going to plug these two together and they're going to work just fine. When it comes down to protecting the motor, I really want to talk about installation and really understanding this as a drive system. Yeah, so is just protecting a motor, is, is that just good enough, or I know you've got to do a little bit more than that, I would imagine. Yeah, so it really comes into the installation of these two components together. So, like I mentioned, the protection on the motor, the biggest one to illustrate this is the grounding, like I mentioned before. I'm going to use shaft grounding so that I can dissipate that charge, but the question then is where that where does that charge go? So a lot of installations that I see have this nice 10-foot long copper bar that they stick in the ground, wire that to a grounding pad on the motor, and they you know, clean off their hands and then they say, woohoo, I'm done. That is simply to ground the motor. When you add this pulse width modulated waveform in the electronics from the drive, add these high frequency, this high frequency feedback. And the physics behind it is beyond me to explain over the phone type of thing. But what it really comes down to is you can't not you cannot just ground the motor itself. You really need to look at this as a system and you have to ground the motor, yes. But in order to mitigate those high frequency feedbacks that the drive can generate, we have to ground the motor also back to the common ground on the drive. And really we're creating this loop. Everything in circuits is about closing loops right so you have to wire the motor ground back to the drive and you shouldn't just use a regular grounding cable this grounding cable should be braided so that it has a more service area right it should be run in the same conduit as the power cables of this motor drive it should also be the same size at a minimum as one of your cables for your vfd the other thing is the power to from the drive to the motor those cables, a lot of people like to, because VFD cables, they're, they're shielded. They're very special to handle the, the high-frequency feedback and the, really the electronic signal that 
the drive is sending the motors. A lot of installations look at the cost of those cables and they say, man, that just that costs so much. Is it really going to help me that much? Well, when you look at the life of the motor, absolutely, because of by selecting a cheaper cable, you're going to definitely affect the life of that motor. So you have do you know you have to think about a life cycle cost of cheap at the beginning. Is it going to get me the life that I really want, or am I going to be replacing this motor because I chose cheap cable? So those type of things. Um, at HI, I talk to a lot of uh, – HI is Hydraulic Institute. I talk to a lot of drive manufacturers. I always hear stories over and over. It's as simple as when installed, these systems use conduits. Well, people don't think that these have an effect, but the conduit – so when you run current through a cable, you get all of these electronic or electrical fields, right, magnetic fields. The track or the conduit that it's run in can affect those fields as well and give you feedback and then cause, you know, cause this charge differential and things like that. So when you look at it, you have to look at the conduit you're running into. Make sure that conduit is grounded both to the motor and the drive. Again, you want that circular path. You want these charges to be circular so like I said it's really hard to explain over the phone but the basis here is you need to install these as a system so that all you give this this motor system this motor drive system the best chance to operate for the longest period of time and that comes down to some main things of make sure you wire that motor ground back to the drive as well as grounding the motor itself you want to run the best type of conduit is metal conduit. You want to look at the size of your cables from your VFD to your motor, and you want to make sure that grounding cable is the right size coming back. And one of the other biggest things that we get issues with is the distance from the motor to the drive. So all of these problems that I had mentioned about PWM waveforms, uh, voltage spikes, all are exasperated as you increase the length of wire between the drive and the motor. And so the distance between that drive and where that motor is is installed is a big issue. So a lot of people see it, hey, I have my drive, all. I want my drive, my VFDs all in one room. Well, my motors are all over the plant, but that's no big deal because I can just buy these wires and it's just a couple more feet of wire and then I still have this whole room that I can control everything from one room. Well, that's fine, fantastic, but adding on wire to these VFD motor systems is only going to exasperate that. So if you have a long run, and we say long runs are over 100 feet, so, I mean, that's going to be pretty common. But what we really want there is to check the installation. So we really want to see what that simulated waveform from the drive to the motor looks like at the motor. One of the biggest things I could ask or that I do ask when somebody has questioned their installation is, hey, what does your waveform look like at the motor terminals? Because a lot, it's really easy to look at your waveform as its output from the drive because the drive electronics allow that. What a lot of people don't see is the waveform that then comes into the motor, and that is the biggest telltale sign on how your motor is going to be affected. So when you look at that waveform coming in at the terminals, you'd be surprised what you see. You can see huge peaks. So if you have a 460-volt motor, you, I've seen peaks over 800 volts coming into these motors. 
it's really dirty looking power instead of this nice smooth sine wave like you uh, view it as nice rolling hills and instead you get Mount Everest type of look with these jagged edges up and down it's just not clean power so the biggest thing that I would say somebody could do to check if they think that there is an effect there is look at that waveform at the motor terminals not at the output of the drive and a lot of the drive manufacturers and independent manufacturers themselves manufacture filters and other things there that you can add to those systems with longer lead, lead lengths to mitigate that and give it a nice clean power but it really comes down to looking at this installation and understanding how does this drive and motor interact together and I need to make sure I install them together so I get this circular system that doesn't have any issues. Absolutely. Uh, do users need to make changes to their pump before adding a variable speed drive system? Well, I wouldn't say they necessarily need to make changes to their pump. What you really have to understand is how this variable speed drive is going to change the pumping system. So by adding a variable speed drive, what you're adding the ability to do, like I mentioned at the beginning, is change the speed of this motor and then its driven equipment, which we're talking about as a pump. So when you change the speed of the pump, you're changing the amount of water that flows through it. So if you're talking about a pump, you're talking about the thrust forces on those impellers are changing. You're talking about the speed of the bearings in that pump are going to be changing. So when you look at a normal constant speed pumping system, you have to worry about a single speed. When you put a VFD on this pumping system, now you have to worry about all speeds. So that's one of the biggest things I'd say. You, just, we need, you need to evaluate the pumping system as a variable speed pumping system before installing a VFD. Now if you shrink that down, you know, that was the pump, pump system overarching look at this. But me as the, the, the motor manufacturer, I am going to shrink it down and say, okay, what type of things does my motor need to consider whenever a VFD gets put on it? And that's going to come down to what we talked about at the beginning, Drew, and it really comes down to protecting your motor against these. I can't guarantee the installation, so if you came to me and said, hey, I want to run this motor on a VFD, I'm going to ask you if you have these, the winding protection and the bearing protection. If you say, we, I don't have that protection, what can I do? The motor's still going to run on a VFD, but you're going to get those damaging effects, and the life of that motor is definitely going to be affected unless you can guarantee the installation of this new VFD and motor together and you take you know your equipment to the terminal of that motor and check it for me and show me that it's a nice sign or close to a sine wave power that I'm going to say that that VFD and motor are going to operate together so it's it's a hard question to answer and I know it's happening a lot in the industry where hey I have this constant speed we're at HI and a bunch of other people are coming up with ways to train people to understand this, hey, I have a constant speed system, how can I use it as a variable speed system to increase my efficiency and use less energy, really? So this comes up a lot and really it comes down to think about this as a whole system, not just at the component level. Hey, my pump is capable of putting out this much and at this speed and so we should be good. No, you need to consider everything. You need to consider the mode of the drive and the interaction of all of these components. Absolutely. I know you've seen a lot of installations uh, over the years, I'm sure. What, but what are some worst case scenarios that, that you've seen or that could happen in these installations? 
Well, it's one of these worst case ideas is that I can think of as submersible. So it's it's a uh, when you list all of the things that could be bad for a motor drive installation. So you're talking about a long distance between the motor and the drive. Um, questionable cable size. Grounding of the motor from the motor to the drive. Uh, we pulled up a submersible motor one time, and this was um, it was well over 800 feet deep in a well, and they didn't have VFD cables, and the cables were undersized, and you have to think about a submersible that cable runs from the drive down into the well. That's it's a bad. It's surrounded by water. So a lot of the times you'll see on submersibles in order to get that sine wave or that PWM power corrected, we'll use actually a sine wave filter, which will really filter out all of that noise before we send it before it's sent down to that submersible motor. The, like I said, there's there's always horror stories from the guys at HI though, where because somebody used dr ground their conduit that they ran these VFD cables through to the railing on the, on the steps within their plant. I thought the, the way the, the drive manufacturer talked to me, he, he was running out of the plant. He was turning around running out of the plant saying, I'm not touching anything in this plant because they created a floating ground on this handrail. So it's these things that you see in the installations that, I mean, you you can, I can't even come up with them until you're there and you see them and you look at them and you say, is this really how these guys thought to install it? But what it comes down to is maybe that's a mistake on our end as manufacturers is getting out there and training. And, you know, this this podcast, when you came, came to me about it, I was really excited because, you know, getting out there and getting this knowledge into the industry is huge because we're seeing so much of these VFDs being installed now to get better energy or efficiency. So it's good to know, but we need, we just need to educate the guys because they're trying to get these things installed, and they're going to get them installed any way they can. Yeah, so. ab absolutely. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you mentioned that. I, I guess it should be fair to let the listeners know that this is the first one we're recording. So five years from now, when people come back, and this is such a big hit, you know, they can come back to this um, as as being the first one. But I know I, I kind of cut you off there a little bit, Patrick. Sorry for that. What a is there anything else, anything else you wanted to add to that? Any misconceptions about all this? Anything we might have left off when, when talking about this? No, it's – I don't think – I think we covered it. It's such a large topic, though. I, I could – when I go to trade shows, when I go to HI, everybody new comes down, and these are these are the big hit items, and they come up with questions that I don't think of off the top. And, I mean, we, we covered the very crust of this beautiful, beautiful cake we call, you know, motor drive systems. So there's so much more information in this that we could get into, but what we've covered today kind of gives you the basis and really gets down to these are not components. You buy these components separately from OEMs, but when you install them, it's a variable speed pumping system. So you have to really understand how this drive and motor are going to interact. And then how is that variable speed drive system, which I'm considering the motor and the drive together, how does that affect your pump when you go from a constant speed to a variable speed? 
So really, if I if I instill anything today, you know, talking to you, Drew, and everybody that's listening, just think about these things as a system. Don't put your blinders on when you're installing it and say, yep, I grounded the motor, I'm good to go. The motor, the VFD cables are plugged in, I'm good to go. Think about it as a system because it's going to give you your longest life, your longest reliable system, and everybody's going to be happy in the end. Of. So that's about all I had, Drew. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, and that's uh, that's pretty much what I had as well. And I know in the future we'll get into uh, into more nitty gritty when it comes down to this, and maybe some other questions you get from people uh, in the future, because I'm sure it's always changing. There's always something going on that uh, people need to be educated about. But it was great to cover the basics on this with you, Patrick. Uh, appreciate you joining the Pumps and Systems podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Drew. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pumps and Systems Podcast. You can find us and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can listen to every episode on pumpsandsystems.com.